0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It's utter blasphemy what we're hearing today all across America and now throughout the entire world. It is the absolute celebration of the practices of sodomy, transgenderism, bestiality, and every other type of perversion that you can imagine. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to see just how broadly this blasphemy is being carried out, even in the name of Christ himself. So I'm glad that you've joined us. This conversation is always with ever increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and it brings great grief to realize how far this has really gone. And believe you me, it really has gone a long way. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer's conversation is with ever increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Hey, and uh, we're not going to stop hearing. In fact, we're hearing it behind the scenes here. The woman. I believe in
1: the non-binary God, whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads, and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints, as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us
0: That love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. So, beloved, let us love. Let us love. Not the love of God, but the love of everything that God prohibits and hates. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at this, and you have just heard the so-called Sparkle Creed. The Sparkle Creed led by the ostensive pastor of a Lutheran church. That's right. You heard it with your own ears. The pastor of a supposed Lutheran church leading in the Sparkle Creed. It's in Minnesota. The church. She talks about the non-binary God and Jesus with two dads during the Sunday service. The pastor, Anna Helgen, asked the congregation to stand in body or spirit to confess our faith in the Sparkle Creed. And so the church went on to chant a statement of faith in the non-binary God and in Jesus Christ, who had two dads. Question. Is this the church of Jesus Christ or the synagogue of Satan masquerading as an angel of light? That's the question before us, and if you heard some hesitation in my voice, if you sensed that I did not come on today with the usual strength in the introduction to the program, it's because of the great concern about blatant blasphemy. You see, blasphemy is a very dangerous thing. It has to do with coming against God on the basis of who he is, who he has declared himself to be, and then to disagree with that and to openly, notoriously, perhaps even vengefully, declare a contrary viewpoint. A viewpoint totally contrary to the self-revealed character and purpose of God himself. That's what we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. And I'm glad that you've joined us. As always, it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And what this reveals is, more than anything else, a dramatic shaking of the fist, lifting ourselves as human beings as equal to or greater than the God of creation. In fact, it actually defies the God of creation and basically says, you know, we are going to be the new God. We are the ones that are going to interpret what is true, what is not true, what is right, what is not right, what is sin, what is not sin. In fact, those who are calling sin, sin, are now being called criminals. In fact, 250, 250, over 250 Hollywood stars have now come out with a letter. Celebrities in film, music, and other industries signed an open letter to pressure social media companies to censor certain speech regarding transgender individuals and the transgender movement. Now, you might expect that some of these who are notorious in this regard, such as Alyssa Milano, Ariana Grande, and Demi Lovato, and many more signed the letter arranged by Glad that is, the formerly gay and lesbian alliance against defamation, which they sent to CEOs of Meta, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. And among other things, the letter takes issue with misgendering, or referring to a person by their biological sex rather than their preferred gender, and what they call deadnaming, which is calling a person by their birth name rather than their preferred name. They said targeted misgendering and deadnaming of trans and non-binary people is a widespread mode of hate speech across all platforms. And these celebrities, well, you have to question, are they filled with the spirit of Antichrist? Indeed, they are. I did not say they are Antichrist. They are the spirit operating in the spirit of Antichrist because everything that they say and do is contrary to Christ himself. Their letter also urges to combat disinformation surrounding trans issues, particularly cross-sexual medical interventions for children, which the letter refers to as medically necessary health care. They said there has been a massive systemic failure to prohibit hate, harassment, and malicious anti-LGBTQ disinformation on your platforms, and it must be addressed. The letter goes on to suggest that the science is settled regarding the efficacy of cross-sex medical interventions to treat gender dysphoria. The letter also says that trans youth and their families and care providers are being endangered by your negligence, causing many families to flee their homes. You can see the trajectory here to call those who oppose these behaviors that are Mentioned in the Bible as despicable by God, to call them not only hateful, but hate crimes as well. Then, at the same time, the defiant so called queer activists at a New York City drag march last Saturday chanted, We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. As the pride parades and celebrations expose young children to plenty of adult nudity and perversions as usual. Where is all this heading? Is this revealing that we are actually worse than the biblical Sodom and Gomorrah? Stay tuned. Blatant blasphemy, that's what we're looking at here today on Viewpoint as we were introduced to the so-called chant or statement of faith, if you can call it that, of the Sparkle Creed in a Lutheran church in Minnesota where the congregation was told to stand and declare that God is non-binary and has two fathers, or Jesus has two fathers, what in the world is this all about? This is about creating, friends, a counterfeit faith. A counterfeit faith that despises the God of creation, the God who made and preserved us a nation, and who is putting everything in this country at risk. At risk from a judgment Of a God who is patient, yes, but will not allow things to go on forever. As Ruth Graham, the wife of Dr. Billy Graham, once said, if God does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, that was many years ago. Ruth Graham had no idea how far this would go. And perhaps neither did you. Perhaps neither did we. A children's hospital, as we announced the other day, in Illinois, is charging thousands of dollars on how to teach gender identity and anal sex to public schools in Chicago. The Lurie Children's Hospital... The presentation recommends that 5th graders should learn several different sexual orientations, while 8th graders should be taught about anal and oral sex. This is all supposedly in line with Illinois law, and they're trying to make it mandatory in the schools in Illinois. By 8th grade... Students should be able to define anal, oral, and vaginal sex, as well as explain several sexual orientation divisions, uh, definitions including heterosexual, bisexual, lesbian, gay, queer, two-spirit, asexual, and pansexual, said the standards. The standards require fifth graders to be able to distinguish the difference between sex assigned at birth and gender identity. Through the eighth grade curriculum, students should be able to analyze how their family and peers may influence their attitudes toward gender, gender identity, gender roles, and gender expression. In other words, the separation of the authority of parents from their children, placing that authority in the hands of school teachers under this new agenda. How far... Can this go? Well, friends, apparently it's not just nationally. Apparently it's internationally. And we're going to see just how far because the UN itself is looking to carry this agenda to to links that uh, perhaps we have never contemplated. Why is this happening? How is this happening? I want to share with you why I believe this is happening and how it is happening. And there are two basic reasons. One, we adopted a pattern back in the late 1960s and early 1970s that created a permissiveness for all of this to take place. And actually, that permissiveness... The foundation for that permissiveness was laid in our churches. Not just modern, midlife, I mean, uh, mainline churches. No. In our evangelical churches. And we're going to talk about that in detail. In addition to that, more fundamentally, we have abandoned what is called the fear of the Lord. Just abandon it. From church house to white house to the schoolhouse to the courthouse, we have abandoned the fear of the Lord. As a trial attorney, <clears throat> I have called many a witness to the stand to testify in a case. As the witness is called, the clerk of the court asks the person to raise their right hand and to give this oath you now solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give before this court shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God? Why was that oath given, and why has it always been given in the courts in America? One reason, the fear of the Lord. That was the reason, because it has been believed that if a person is God-fearing at any level and they're swearing in the name of God or delivering an oath to tell the truth in the name of God, that that will be the strongest possible uh, protection against deception, lying, dissimulation, whatever you want to call it, uh, in our court cases. It was the greatest protection that we had. As we have gradually abandoned the fear of the Lord, that oath has meant less and less and less. I practiced law as a trial attorney for 20 years in the courts in Southern California. And I cannot tell you any single time when a person called as a witness declined to give that oath. They all raised their hand. They all said, yes, I do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and but the truth nothing but the truth, so help me God. But guess what? Many of them lied. Blatant lies. They did not tell the truth. They did not intend to tell the truth. They tried to masquerade the truth, and that's why it was necessary to cross-examine them. Cross-examination has been declared to be the greatest engine for truth ever devised by man. And I always loved cross-examination. It was the favorite part, my favorite part of a court trial, because it enabled me, as best possible, to ferret out the truth from those who actually had pledged to tell the truth in the name of God, but did not do so. And by the way, that included... Not just your average citizen, it included expert witnesses of virtually every stripe. Medical doctors, psychologists, science uh, experts, and so on, including police officers, all swore to tell the truth, but did not. They had their own agendas, and they weren't about to tell the truth. They had their own reasons for testifying And the reasons were not in alignment with truth. They were in alignment with other selfish agendas. And so this matter of abandoning the fear of the Lord is at the very foundation of the development, uh, the inauguration, shall we say, of this freewheeling sexual revolution. Yes, it began in the 1960s with the sexual revolution, but that's not the only revolution that took place in the 1960s. There was also a revolution against God's authority, against all authority. It was a revolution in the 1960s against all authority. In other words, it was the laying, laying the foundation for lawlessness in our society. Abandoning God's law in favor of Whatever feels good. So our feelings then began to become our Lord. By the early 1970s, feelings had become the guidestone of American life. Yes, even in our churches. We abandoned the fear of the Lord. We abandoned the teaching about God in his total self-revealed fashion as a God both of love and of justice and of judgment and of truth. And we began to teach the God only of love. That went along with the exaltation of feelings in the culture. So no longer were we able to speak in terms of truth, in terms of facts. We had to speak in terms of how I feel. Now, lest you should think that I'm going too far with this, For some reason, the Lord actually enabled me to be present in the midst of the actual enablement process of this practice. I was a public school teacher at that time, from 1967 to 1975 in Southern California. And the greatest revolution in American education was taking place in the late 1960s, and going into the mid-1970s. At the heart of that revolution was a revolution of language. And so teachers were compelled to go to extracurricular classes on the weekend for the encounter movement. They called it the encounter movement because you were to encounter other people not based upon Truth or facts, but based upon feelings. What was the essence of that? Well, I'll never forget there out there in one of the uh, uh, very respected and highfalutin uh, areas on the beach out there in Southern California on a Saturday being told no longer can you speak in terms of facts or Uh, your own beliefs, you had to speak in terms of feeling. You had to use the word feeling. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. That same spirit pervaded Christian psychology. Now, I majored in psychology as an undergraduate in uh, uh, a respected Christian university. I abandoned that after my junior year because I began to realize this isn't going anywhere. This is not enabling me to be a lover of truth, but to sacrifice truth in the name of feelings. And I saw it happening with so-called Christian psychologists that were indoctrinating people on radio and television and uh, various kinds of seminars and so on, indoctrinating Christians according to the lordship of feelings. It caught on. It caught on because of the God is love movement that was already making this possible in our churches in the 1970s. Yes, God is love, but he's also a God of truth and a God of justice, and a God of judgment. And that was not welcome teaching in our churches in the 1970s. As a result of that, that bled off into a change of moral values, beliefs, according to the word of God. The first thing that fell was marriage. Marriage was the first thing to fall in our churches. Divorce became a thing. It became something that had heretofore been virtually prohibited, if not just marginalized, because everyone knew that God hated divorce. It was just a given in our churches. God Hates divorce. He hates putting away. We read that in Malachi chapter two. We find out that Jesus said, "Whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery, and whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery." We knew that. We believe that. The Church of England believed that for five hundred years. The Assemblies of God, one of the largest Protestant denominations in the world, believed that. But by the end of the 1970s, they didn't believe it anymore. No, it was abandoned gradually in order to please the culture, the broader culture, which now had succumbed to the lordship of feelings. So we couldn't possibly continue to embrace what God had said concerning marriage because that just seemed to defy people's feelings. And so we began to permit unfettered divorce. It wasn't just the No Fault Divorce Act in 1968 that Ronald Reagan signed in, as governor of California, which, by the way, he said later was the worst thing he ever did as a politician because he saw the horrible effects of it throughout our culture. So, where did all this lead? How does this connect with the abandonment of the fear of the Lord? We need to talk about that, friends. And we've got so many other illustrations here that are before us that it's just blatant blasphemy. We'll be right back.
2: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're talking today about blatant blasphemy and how we're embracing unfettered rebellion from the church house to the White House to the schoolhouse and the courthouse. Unfettered rebellion against the God who made and preserved us in Asia. We wonder why things are not looking so good in the land of the free that's increasingly becoming only the home of the brave. We have thumbed our nose against the God of history and the God of creation and the Lord of nations. We have thumbed our nose to him and said, We do not want your rules anymore. We do not want your thoughts anymore. Your viewpoints are no longer welcome in our country and in our churches. Oh, we'll accept the ones that we like, but the rest of them we don't much like. And the ones we don't like are the ones that violate our feelings. And so we are not going to go along with those. We're just going to create our own little gospel. We're going to create our own little Bible. We're going to create our own God, one made in our own image so that we can all feel good about him. And that's essentially what Time Magazine said on its front cover, April 5th, 1993. Right as we were forming Save America Ministries to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. From 92 to 93, those were the fulcrum years for this country. When Forbes Magazine... In 1992, in celebration of its 75th anniversary, devoted the entire magazine, a business magazine, devoted the entire half-inch magazine to asking the question, whatever happened to virtue in America? Yet the founders of this country all agreed that without virtue, that is, agreeing with God's viewpoint concerning life and practice, without virtue... Freedom could not be sustained. The republic could no longer exist. And so we are engaged in the greatest experiment ever. A land that began, a nation that began its commitment to the authority of God and his word under the fear of the Lord is now blatantly shaking its fist and deciding we do not like that God anymore. Now, this may sound a little tough. This may sound a little overbearing. Some might say, well, you know, my church doesn't look. Don't tell me that. You would be surprised what your church actually believes. You'd be surprised what your pastor actually believes. You really would. That's what happened to George Barna, holster to the church for the past 30-some years, when he did a poll just a couple of years ago asking pastors across the country how many of them believed what the Bible actually said about marriage, divorce, remarriage, about uh, homosexuality, all of these various things. And 80% of those pastors said they believed what the Bible actually said about those things. But then he asked a second question. How many of you are actually teaching and or preaching these things to your people? Now, only 20% said that they were. In other words, 60% of the pastors, by their own admission, while they said they believed something, they were unwilling to communicate it to the people. Why were they? Because they're there to please the people. Not to please God, but to please the people. But the church is not a democracy. Either Christ is Lord or he's not. Either God is God or he's not. And so on April 5th, 1993, Time magazine came out which it, with its issue. On the front cover was a cross. And hundreds of little pictures of people from America all around the cross. In the lower right-hand corner were these words. The generation that forgot God. Now, I wasn't talking about the generation that was going to forget God. It was talking about the generation that already had forgotten God. So from 1993, that took us back into the late 1960s. Are you beginning to see now? What I've been sharing with you is absolutely correct. Even Time Magazine was admitting this. A secular news, liberal news magazine. The feature article was called The Church Search. Americans were flooding back to church after Gulf War I because they were afraid, and Time Magazine made this astounding observation. Church would never again be the same in America. Why? Because Americans were looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. Now, that's exactly what this Lutheran pastor there in Minnesota was declaring. with their so-called sparkle doctrine. But you may not see it so blatant in other aspects in your various congregations and so on, but believe you me, it is prevalent everywhere. And that's why, going back about 40 years, the divorce rate began to increase so dramatically In the church in the 1970s, that by the end of the 1970s, pastors, parachurch leaders, and so on, had come to the point where they decided to kick over the traces of what Jesus himself said concerning remarriage, if your spouse was still living, even if you had had a divorce. And so they decided, okay, now we're going to allow remarriage, even though Jesus called it adultery. And even though the Apostle Paul said, don't be deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers nor practicing homosexuals and so on shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But we don't teach those things anymore. We have rationalized around them because we've abandoned the fear of the Lord in the land. And the fear of the Lord is just the beginning of wisdom. So we've abandoned the foundations of wisdom, friends, And then we can't understand why all of this is spinning out of control and sweeping over the land, blatant blasphemy. It started in God's house. It was inaugurated in God's house in the 1970s under the lordship of our feelings. By the mid-1980s, with divorce having been approved, with remarriage having been approved when our spouses were still living after divorce, then came the homosexual movement. Here was the argument. Obviously, you guys in your evangelical churches don't believe what you say you believe. Because if you did, you would not be allowing this continuing divorce and serial adultery uh. Going on in your congregations. You wouldn't allow that. So obviously, you don't believe those things. So why would you disagree with us when we say we feel like we're attracted to other, the other, uh, the same sex? That's what they did. And they left us with our pants down. We were totally exposed. There was no argument left. So all they consider us is to be finger-pointers. We abandoned the fear of the Lord in God's own house. You may not like to hear this, friends, but this is a loving warning that if we do not change this trajectory in God's house, in your house, in my house, in our congregations, if we don't change our viewpoint to coincide with God's viewpoint, we are determining a destiny of destruction. Please, listen carefully. We are setting the trajectory for our own destiny. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't think so either until it rained down fire and brimstone nobody really believes that the trajectory of their shaking of their fist against the god of gods the lord of nations is going to go is going to be punished nobody believes that at least in only in theory But in reality, no, because God is a God of love. He wouldn't do that. But he did do that, and he does do that. And Jesus said in the book of Luke, as it was in the days of Lot, who was in Sodom, he had pitched his tent toward Sodom, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be just before Sodom the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, before the second coming. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Now, to help us with this, uh, several years ago, the Holy Spirit inspired me to write a book called The Secret of the Lord. Would you like me to share what that secret is? Here it is. As I was reading through the scriptures in the Psalms, I came across Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. And to them, he will manifest or reveal his covenant. Let me repeat that. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And to them, and essentially only to those, will he manifest or reveal his covenant. As I came across that, it was like the Holy Spirit just shone a laser beam down on that passage. Said, son, that's why your nation is in the trouble you're in. There's no fear of the Lord. That's why my church has no ability to change anything or make a real difference in your country because you don't fear the Lord either. So what's our solution? We have to restore the fear of the Lord in the land. The book, The Secret of the Lord. We'll talk about it in a moment. Have you ever
2: considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click sell church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click sell church.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer today with somewhat of a passionate plea. Uh, I'm presenting to you a deep, deep concern that we are engaged in massive blasphemy, uh, blatant blasphemy, and it's not just coming uh, from the 250-plus actors and actresses and so on that wrote the letter uh, in favor of transgenderism and the practice of homosexuality and all of those things. We expect... Those people who are living in Sodom to say such things. But we don't expect people in our churches and our pastors and our parachurch leaders and our broadcasters and those writing books. We don't expect them to be approving of these things, accommodating to them in the name of love. You do not accommodate friends to sin in the name of love. The apostle Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6. He said to the Corinthian church, which were notorious for their sexual promiscuity, he said, look, you cannot, you're, you're allowing sexual promiscuity in your churches that can't even be found in the world. What is this? He said, you must remove such a person from the congregation because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. But we've been unwilling to do that because we have submitted to the lordship of feelings rather than the walk of faith. I'm just, unfortunately, we have to say things the way they really are, and you cannot continue, we cannot continue with the thinking, the viewpoint that we have adopted Uh, for the past 40 years, and expect any change for righteousness in the country. It has to start in God's house. The fear of the Lord must be reborn in God's house. And you know what? Hardly even know what it is anymore. It's like one pastor told me, uh, the pastor of a large evangelical church told me at a pastor's gathering over a cup of coffee, he says, Chuck, I don't think I even know how to preach righteousness. you know why that is? Because he had abandoned the fear of the Lord. You cannot preach righteousness unless you understand the fear of the Lord. You don't even understand what it is. Because you'll always revert to the lordship of your feelings to justify that which God says he hates or calls an abomination. Always. The book, The Secret of the Lord. Secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. And to them, and them only, will he manifest his covenant. In other words, make it clear. Now, does God re, uh, expect, uh, so-called, his secret to remain secret? No. He wants to reveal it, but he can't reveal it to a people who are walking in rebellion. And that's what's happened to us. Because we've abandoned the fear of the Lord from the church house to the White House to the schoolhouse to most of our houses, we don't really love God. We've created a God in our own image. We don't fear the God of the Bible. We don't believe in him anymore. Not the real God of the Bible, Only the one that we've reconstructed that goes along and feels good to the culture. And now, because we've allowed this to go on so far, the culture itself doesn't feel good anymore about Christians. And so now the attack is against Christians for whatever we say we believe. So now... For at least the fourth straight Congress now, Democrats have introduced what is called the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act, trying to criminalize and destroy talk therapy that offers help to members of society with unwanted same-sex attractions. They insist that such help to those who want it is illegal. Don't you dare affect what we feel like doing. So, Representative Ted Lieu... Democrat from California said his ideology would make it illegal to provide talk therapy to any individual. In other words, you can't express what the Bible says to anybody without committing a hate crime. So the very fear of the Lord, the very ability, what they're doing is substituting the fear of man for the fear of the Lord because we have abandoned the fear of the Lord and this is the trajectory of our times. The movement has 62 Democrat co-sponsors and a companion bill in the Senate has 32 Democrats in support. These are not God-fearing people, Fred. These are God-despising people. The book, The Secret of the Lord, it's a hard-bound book $20 hardbound book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. you're writing a check, at $5 for postage and handling. Would it surprise you to know that that book, has been the slowest-selling book of all ten of my books. You know what that tells us? God's people don't want to know about the fear of the Lord. Don't want to. Don't tell me about that. I only want to know about the love of God. I don't want to know about this, this fear of the Lord business. Don't tell me about that. I don't want to know that, God. That's what they're saying. But you know what they're doing in the process? Depriving themselves of all the promises of God. Did you know that there is not a single promise of God that is not first predicated or based upon the fear of the Lord, including salvation itself? If you don't fear God, you will never come to true conversion of faith to Jesus Christ. Never. You'll have to market it or sell it on false pretenses, the whole need for salvation is based upon the fear of the lord if people do not have the fear of the lord because of their sin that would consign them to eternal damnation then what are you what are you offering to them peace and goodwill what what are you offering what are you selling or marketing to them as an alternative no the reason the good news is good news friends is because of the exceeding bad news we've even falsified the whole process of so-called evangelism because we've abandoned the fear of the Lord. We think it's cool to try to adopt cultural feel-good standards to try to seduce people into embracing a Christ that is not real. Do you know that Jesus is the one Who is going to judge the earth in righteousness? Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. Christ himself is going to be the judge. Like it said in the 1970s, here come to judge. The Father is not going to be the judge. Jesus is going to be the judge. And he's going to judge The world in righteousness, that's what the Bible tells us, from Old and New Testaments. If we're going to see any meaningful change in our country, the homosexual thing, the transgender thing, that's only a symptom of the bigger problem, friends. The bigger problem is we've abandoned the fear of the Lord And the fear of the Lord is the beginning, just the very beginning of wisdom. Can you understand now what's happened to our wisdom? It's causing us to market, in many respects, a false gospel. To try to seduce people to become Christians, when in fact that is never, according to the scriptures, the plan of salvation. No. Jesus said no one will come unless he first counts the cost. We don't teach or preach that anymore because we don't believe in the fear of the Lord, other than as a theory. Now, Joe Biden claims to be a Catholic and by implication a Christian, but his new LGBT toolkit encourages student sexuality clubs at schools now. You heard it correctly. His Department of Education, under his blessing, now has released an LGBTQ toolkit in June for schools and wider districts to create an inclusive environment encouraging the creation of student gender and sexuality alliance clubs in our schools. All of this to promote that which God says he hates. Or is an abomination. He says he hates divorce and he calls uh, this these alternative sexual relationships, an abomination. Our president, your president, the one, if you voted for him, this is the one you voted for. You've aligned yourself with his uh, blasphemous viewpoint. Many blasphemous viewpoints. The U.S. Department of Education, Recognizes that student-led groups can be an important part of creating safe, inclusive, and supportive educational environments for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex students and students with LGBTQ plus parents, friends, or family members, the toolkit states. It's about promoting that which God says is an abomination. What do you say? A top library official Now, Behind the Scenes has been promoting how to deny Christians the access to public libraries, such as uh, Kurt Cameron has been doing, to deny Christians access to public libraries to talk about these issues. The suggestions are from Deborah Caldwell-Stone, the Library Association's American Library Association's director of its Intellectual Freedom office. They don't want freedom. Do you see how blatant this is, friends? This is a an effort to take over the entire culture. Then. As if that were not enough, a new report from a so-called expert who serves the United Nations as its advisor on sexual orientation has come out with a report expressing the idea that religious freedom is not compatible with the LGBT ideology. Not compatible. He said that compatibility comes only when faith standards are subservient to the sexual political agenda embraced by LGBT organizations. The so-called UN uh, expert made his comments to the 53rd session of the United Nations Human Rights Council, his opinion that religious freedom isn't compatible with LGBT equality. He said, and that's to be accomplished through making long-held religious beliefs and traditions subservient. He said, the fix is to have religious communities reinterpret their own doctrines to meet his preferences. So now, if we hold to biblical truth... We are apparently just misinterpreting our own doctrines. He insinuates that religious believers who do not embrace the LGBT ideology are misinterpreting their own religion. He suggests that comments about LGBT lifestyles and sin can be considered hate speech or even incitement to violence. You see where this is going, friends? You and I must make a decision. Our pastors have to make a real decision. Because if you don't fear the Lord, you're going to fear man. And you will submit to his demands. You will. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of the book, The Secret of the Lord. The Secret of the Lord is we Fear Him. on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You owe it to yourself to read that book. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.